0: In the middle of the month of November and our study this month has been on the commandments and last week we did a more of an introduction into what that meant and today we're actually going to get into the meat and potatoes so to speak of the commandments. Our focus scripture has been from John chapter 14 and verse 15, which says what? If you love me, keep my commandments. Who said that? Jesus said that. That's written in the scripture. That's not made up. That's what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. So the question should be from all of us then is, that's the first question, and then what are his commandments? Right? Right? If we're to love him uh, by keeping his commandments, the next question should be, then what are his commandments? Wouldn't you want to know? Yes. Amen. Because he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we're going to look at some of the commandments that Jesus said. I don't know if it's too hot or too cold. Amen. I'm sure for some it's too hot and for some it would be too cold. But amen. We have to find the, uh, the bed where it's just the right, <laughs> you know, the bear story. Okay. Where it's just the right bed. Amen. So we're going to look at some of the commandments of Christ in this month. We can't look at all of them because actually there are quite a lot. But I just want to hit a few of the ones that are, are major. And we're going to be looking at some of them. Repent for the kingdom of the heaven has come near. Jesus said that in Matthew 4.17. So repentance is something that what? He commanded. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. That's something that he told uh, the Pharisees when they asked him what was the sum, summation of the law. The law, and then the second one was love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, this is the the big one. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. The great commission: Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that tells me baptism was commanded by Jesus. He goes on in the very next verse saying, teaching them to observe all things whitherso I have commanded you. Amen. So there are some commands that Jesus commanded us to do and that we are to observe them. That means to obey them. If you observe the traffic light, what does it mean? It doesn't mean you look at it and still go through when it's read. That's not the kind of observing it's talking about. It's talking about obedience. Jesus said to observe all that he had commanded. All that he had commanded. Okay, number six. Repent and believe the good news. That's in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Number seven. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Luke 6.31. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Luke 6.27 Forgive and you will be forgiven. Luke 6.37 Take up your cross and follow me. Luke 9.23 Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Matthew 6.25 12 Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. And that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's in Matthew five sixteen. That's just a, a small sampling. Because he also wrote letters to the churches in Revelation. And we're going to look at some of those. So before we go into the depth of it, we want to um, have a look at what the scripture says about the word of God. Because people tend to cherry pick scriptures. They tend to pick ones that fits their own philosophy and observation. But as I've said many times, the word of God is not a buffet. It's not, I'll have one of this and have one of that. No, that's not how it's written. We have to have the whole counsel, all the counsel of God. And in fact, we find that Paul wrote that. And in Revelation, we see the the symbol where... John is talking and seeing the vision and I'll just read read it. Revelation 10 verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take, eat it up. Eat it up, meaning all of it. Don't just take parts of it, eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again or preach again before many people's nations and tongues and kings. So in this symbology, he was told he had to eat the whole book. I don't know whose phone is Going off there, but maybe we could silence it. For and now, here's what Paul said on his last missionary journey, on his way back to Jerusalem, where he was going to be arrested. This is near the end of his ministry, maybe about two and a half years before his execution. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 25, he says this. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He's saying he hasn't he hasn't just given them a little bit of truth here or things that were that they wanted to hear. You know, everybody wants to hear the love of God. Everybody wants to hear the grace of God. But not many people want to hear the judgment of God or the wrath of God or the will of God. But here Paul is saying, listen, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So we are to take the whole book. We can't take parts of it we don't like and ignore them. Isaiah 28, 10 says, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So we have to study the whole book. The Bible says all scripture... All scripture is given under inspiration, right? So it's not just the ones we like or the ones that that suit uh, our thinking. So just a little recap from last week. Uh, Jesus, again, in many places, not just in that one place in John 14, but in 1 John 2, 3, it is written, and hereby we know that we know him how? That's the test of your salvation. You can't say you know God if you're not obeying God. Now, I didn't say that. 1 John 2, 3 said that. So if you don't like that, you have to tear that page out your Bible. He saith, I know him. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Amen. So what the scripture is saying is if we claim to know Jesus, then we should be starting to walk like Jesus. We follow on to perfection. Not that we're perfect today. But we're following on to perfection. Amen. So as I said, John, 1 John 2, 3 again says if we keep his commandments, then we know him. Otherwise, we don't know him. And then Jesus said that the things that he spoke not even came from his fleshly human side, but they were directly from God. John 12, 49. For I did not speak on mine own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. The reason why we have the word of God is so that there is no private interpretation. See, The problem with there being so many different beliefs and churches is that people have strayed away from the written word. Because I could have a revelation and I say it's from God. And I could really believe it's from God. I could really honestly believe it's from God. But if it doesn't match the word of God, is it from God? Will God contradict himself? No, he can never contradict himself. So the word... The written word is there as a guideline to make sure that there is no private interpretation. And as I have said, there's, it's easy to see what is fundamental is what did the early church teach? What did the early church practice? If they didn't teach it and they didn't practice it, then it's not from God because that's why we call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's what they taught and did. And so we are going to follow what the Bible says rather than, you know, any private revelation. That's what's in Peter. So I might think I have a great interpretation, but if it does not match scripture, it's wrong. Amen. I know that his commandment is eternal life. The things therefore which I speak him, even as the father has said to me, so to speak. Amen. So we have to keep his commands. As, as, as I put that little ticket there, we don't go to heaven. You can't get your ticket to heaven because in that day, there'll be lots of people who were deceived thinking that they understood what God wanted. And that's why it's such a danger to go off what the word says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter. Don't you think that's scary? That there are people out there today who are firmly believing that they're okay, that they have truth. And yet God is going to say, I never knew you. Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, although they claimed to know the Lord, they weren't doing his will. So, what does that mean that we ought to do? We need to check ourselves. We need to make sure. Bible says that make sure. Let every man examine himself. We should always be checking ourselves with the word of God. Are we really keeping his commandments? I can see, I, wrote, I read 12 commandments and I, I can tell you now, there's a couple of them there that I'm not doing as perfectly as I would like. Do I love everyone perfectly? Ooh, I have to fight that one, right? Uh, come on now. But we go on to perfection. I'm acknowledging that the commandment is right. If I'm not doing it perfectly, it's my fault. Not the commandments fault. Amen. Therefore, uh, and I will profess them unto them. Many will say that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? This is amazing how they could do this and be so sure. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's not the miracles It's whether you know him and then whether he knows you. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth. It's an action. It's an action. It's not just believing, but there is an action. Faith always has an action. As I said, if you believed I put a $100 bill over here and I said, first one comes, get it, it's yours. If you believed me, what are you are going to do? If you believe me and you sit there, you're not going to get it. You can believe all you want, but you will not benefit from your belief. Amen? Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and what? Doeth them. I will liken unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And we went through last week, whether literal and figurative, and I'm not going to go into that very deeply, but we, we have to rightly divide the word of truth. And then we showed that the things that Jesus did away with was not criminal law. It's still wrong to kill somebody. Jesus didn't nail that part to the cross. It's still wrong to lie on people. Amen. It's to steal from people. It's still wrong to commit adultery. That was not part of the ceremonial law. What he did was he nailed to the cross the ordinances, the, the turtle doves, the circumcision, the works of the law that they thought brought righteousness. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, I think you read that today, Sister Mary, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Amen. And we, we final thing I want to just review is the nature of God. The nature of God. And the thing that, I, that, that blows my mind is, and I asked this question last week and I ask it again because it's so important, so important in understanding God. And the question is, can God ever be arbitrary? That means, does God ever just do things on a whim? Does God ever make a decision for no reason? No? No? So whatever is happening and you believe God is doing it, he has a purpose. Now, do you believe that? Either God is making it up as he goes or he has a purpose. Even if we don't understand the purpose, even if we can't see the purpose, God doesn't make stuff up on a whim. That means everything he says is for a purpose. In fact, Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle will depart from his word. Even the parts that we don't understand, you know, there's parts of the Bible that seem so boring. This one begat, this one begat, this one begat. Like, why is that in the Bible? Well, it's there for a purpose. It's there for a purpose. We may not at this point in our spiritual maturity understand the purpose, but it's there for a purpose. So God can never be arbitrary. He doesn't make it up. Like as I said last week, you asked some children why they did stone. I don't know. <laughs> they don't know but why did you do that it makes no sense well god you will never ask god why did he did that and he doesn't know he knows exactly what he is doing so god uh, will never make a decision that that he doesn't have a purpose for and in jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is a famous scripture for i know the plans i have for you do you believe that That God has a plan for your life and a purpose. There was a purpose in your creation. Did you know that? He didn't just make it up. You're not just some random uh, coming together of an egg with a sperm. You're not. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I tell you what, if we really believe that, we would leave here today happy. If we really believe that despite whatever situation or circumstance we're going, we leave here happy. Romans 8.28, and we know. And I've said so many times, the most important part of that scripture is the first three words. And we know. If you don't believe the first three parts, the rest of it don't mean anything. It's a declaration. And we know. Can you say that? All right now believe it and we know that all things that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose amen so God always has a purpose he doesn't say things without a purpose he doesn't do things without a purpose so we're going to look now at some of the some of these commands and I'm going to start off with the very first miracle that Jesus did. And of course it's in John chapter 2. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And I have pointed this out before but verse 2 is quite interesting. It says, and both Jesus was called and his, what does it say? Disciples. To the marriage. What's so interesting about that? Remember, he had never done a miracle. Yet he had disciples. So, how come he had disciples and he had never done a miracle? What had they, what were they following him for? For his word. Right? If he had never done a miracle and he still had disciples, they were following him. By faith, because they had never seen a miracle, they were following him based upon his word alone. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, "They have no wine." Jesus saith unto her, "Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come." His mother ignored that, and she turned to the servants, and what did she say? "Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it." whatsoever he saith unto you do it we all we all say right now if if we were there in the time of jesus man we'd be we'd be one of his disciples really so as he walked by your work and he says come leave everything there right now come follow me (laughs) yeah really we just leave our work and our family and start following him Yeah, we want to be an apostle. We want to be a disciple. We want all the power and the the, the majesty and the miracles. But we don't want to give up anything. We don't want to be totally 100% obedient. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now, remember, he had never done a miracle before. Not according to scripture. This says, was the first of his miracles. So now... He tells the servants to do something really stupid that makes no sense. He tells them to get these huge jars, which c- contained about, I think it was uh, 30 gallons. They were water, huge, huge jars that contained 30 gallons when they were full. And they were used for baptism. That's why they were, they were so big. There were six of them of 30 gallons. And he says, I want you to take these and I want you to go down to the well And filled them up. The servants must have thought he's crazy. What's this got to do with anything? What's this got? Sometimes Jesus will just tell us things. That don't make sense in our situation. Right? It makes no sense. But what did Mary tell the servants? Whatsoever he saith to you. Do it. Because if you could see the end result beforehand. Then it wouldn't be faith. We walk by faith and not sight. They had no idea what was going on. They didn't know what was going to happen. Listen, it's not water we need. It's wine they don't have. Plus, why do we have to take these six huge things down to, there and fill them up? And he told them to fill them up to the rim. Fill them full. Nevertheless, they did it. The fulfillment of faith only comes in the action. The action. Ten lepers came to Jesus, and I didn't put it here, right? Ten lepers came to Jesus, and they said, we want to be healed. Now, he could have just spoken to them right away, be healed. He said, no, go show yourself to the priest. And it was in the doing of his word that they got healed, wasn't it? If they had stayed in front of him, guess what would have happened? Nothing. James said, faith without works is dead. We can tell oh we love you lord all we want. But if there's no life behind it, if there's no actions behind it, it does it's like you tell someone you love them but you never do anything for them. God so loved the world that he love is a action mixed with faith. So here is an example of faith in action whatsoever he saith unto you do it. If we Look in the Old Testament, we'll see that that is always the case. God never just snaps his fingers and does everything for us. There is a part for your faith to play. Bible says Noah found grace. And the grace was God told him what was going to happen and what he could do to escape it. But then Noah had to do something. Amen. So, we're studying the commandments. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments we have to be willing to follow what Jesus told us to do if we're not then we're not proving that we love him are we amen. amen we're just we're just saying it but not doing it amen so let's look at that very first one we put in that list which was the command to repent Matthew 4 12. now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison he departed into Galilee From that time, Jesus began to preach to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me now. Sometimes God will give you a personal commandment. Sometimes there's a collective commandment for all of us. But sometimes he'll come to you individually with something he wants you personally to do. And in this case, that's what he did. He came to to Simon and Peter and Andrew's brother, casting it in the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, what? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20 is amazing. They didn't start to say, well, I need to go home and do all kinds of... They said, and straightway, what great faith... Think about it. We wonder how these apostles were chosen. Well, it comes on the basis of the response to a command. That's why they, who to tell, and we have it in scripture, that Jesus called other people, but they, were, they did not respond to the grace and the opportunity they were given. The rich young ruler, right? He, he did all these things. And he says, I want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. It shows you that even if God loves you, that's not enough. You have to respond in obedience to God's love for it to be effective. Because as I've taught before, love is like a chain. You can't push a chain, but you can pull a chain. For love to be effective, you have to hold on on the other end. Right? God can pull you out of all kinds of situations, but he can't push you. You have to you have to willingly decide to respond. God's chain of love is extremely strong. There's no problem with the chain. There's no problem with him pulling you. But guess what? You have to grab a hold of this thing. You have to grab a hold of this thing. It says, verse 20, And then straightway left their nets and followed him. I want to focus, though, on the command itself. The command was repent. What does repent mean? It's not crying. No, it's not crying. It's not even necessarily being sorry because a lot of people cry when they're caught. (laughs) You know, but that's not repentance. Repentance is an action actually. It used to be an old English term that they would shout at the soldiers and it meant about face. In other words, it was a command to turn around, go in a different direction. Here Jesus was discussing with the Pharisees in Luke 13 about some people who had been killed by Herod. Verse 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood, sorry, Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. The Roman governor, Pilate, had executed some Galileans who had come to Jerusalem uh, for sacrifices. The scripture doesn't tell us why, but the point was that they seemed to be innocent and Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye the, that these Galileans were sinners above all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Are you thinking it's because they were sinners why they were put to death? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Then he tells about the story of a tower that someone was building that fell. And killed 18 people. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay. But except ye repent. Ye all likewise perish. So it tells us the very, very, very first step in salvation is repentance. The very, very first step is repentance. Now what is repentance? We're going to look at that. And It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. I forgot to put the scripture reference there. And this is from the Amplified Version. It's giving a definition of repentance. For the kind of sorrow or godly sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. So repentance is a godly sorrow that makes us turn around. And leads us away from uh, from sin to salvation. The other part of it is there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, the one where you get caught, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So repentance is is based upon a godly sorrow. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost because... The, the message was all the things they had done to Jesus who was their Messiah that, it be, that they had been waiting for so many years. And the Bible says when they were pricked in their hearts, they said, what shall we do? What shall we do? They had a godly sorrow. They wanted to do something. Godly sorrow will move you to do something. It'll be a change. It'll be a turnaround. You can't repent going the same way because that's not the definition of the word. So repentance is a turning around. In Amplified Bible, Matthew 3, 8, so produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, demonstrating new behavior. That's what repentance is. That proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. That's what repentance is. It's a it's, it's a conscious decision to turn in a different direction. It's a godly sorrow that moves us, that doesn't allow us to stay in the same state. And that's what repentance is. Now, in Luke chapter 3, verse 2, we read this, that Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, It's speaking about John the Baptist, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching... The baptism of repentance. Why? For the remission of sins. So what Jesus told to do. And what John told to do. During his earthly ministry. Was the same. They both preached repentance. A change. A turning around. So let's look at that. An example in scripture. Of godly repentance. Because I said that godly repentance. True repentance. There will always be a change. So that's how you know. If the person is going in the same direction. They say they're sorry, but they're still kicking you. (laughs) They're not sorry. (laughs) They're just sorry you found out. (laughs) Amen? So let's look at a true case in Scripture of a godly repentance. And of course, we could choose many, but I'm choosing Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to town. And he was a publican. That means he was one of the outcast Jews who were in the employ of the Roman government and he was a tax collector and of course he was a dishonest tax collector. He, he collected more taxes than was due and of course he siphoned this off but he heard Jesus preach. He heard the word come from Jesus. Luke 19 5 and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and this is grace because he didn't go up to Jesus. Jesus came up to him. But look at the response. Zacchaeus, he knew his name. See, God will plan to meet you. God will come to your house. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He probably thought up in that tree, knowing his past, knowing all the stuff he had done. There's no hope for me. I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. But you know, God looks at the intent of the heart. And as he probably thought those thoughts, Jesus knew it. And when they saw, but of course, people can't see your heart. They only see your outside. They only see what you do. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, now here is his actions. Remember fruit meet for repentance or, or that demonstrates repentance. Here's what he says, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. I realize how terrible I've been and how I've cheated people. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna, I want to be a different person. The thing that was most important to me in my life was money and cheating people. So I'm gonna destroy that right now. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'm going to give him four times what I took. Now that is fruit of repentance. When Jesus comes and touches someone's life, really, genuinely, they respond with a true fruit of repentance. Isn't that awesome? And what did Jesus reply? This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, because they looked at the publicans almost as if they were not Jews, that they were Romans. Romans. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So here we have an example of godly repentance. But not just saying I'm sorry. He did something. Right? Godly repentance comes with an action. Amen? It comes with an action. In every single case it comes with an action. Amen. So now let's look at a, another command of Jesus. We've talked about that we are to repent and we've discussed what repentance means. It means a complete turning around based upon godly sorrow, a recognition that we need to change. And sometimes we can't even do it by ourselves, but if we will at least turn around, God will help us. In his heart, there must have been a conviction even before Jesus spoke to him because Jesus came up to him and called his name and said, Zacchaeus, this day I'm coming to your house. Make haste. Come on down, Zacchaeus. I think that just shows God's grace. But if Zacchaeus had been like the rich young ruler that said, "Mm, Yeah, I love you, Lord, but I got all this money thing going on and I can't give it up, right? He could have had that attitude. So grace has to be responded to by faith through actions. Amen. Now, Jesus said another thing that we probably don't like and we need to study. He said this, Luke chapter 9, 23. Here's a command. He said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily. Ooh. I don't like that part. <laughs> I mean, if I have to do it once a month, it's too much, but Daily you mean there's a cross I got to every morning I got to pick up my cross to follow him Ooh, I don't like that at all for whosoever will save his life shall lose it Jesus said some hard things but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it for what is it a man advantage if he gained the whole world and lose himself or be cast away For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and the holy angels. So there's certain parts to this command. The first part is denial of self. That means denial of what I want to do. I wanted to sleep in the bed today. (laughs) Sunday morning... Bed is the best bed, isn't it? It's so nice and warm. And you look at the clock and it's time to get up and you, the covers feel so good. Sunday morning bed is the best bed. But if you're going to follow Christ, it starts, before you take up the cross, denying the flesh. Denying what I want. Self-denial. That's tough because I'm, a, I'm an impulsive person. I like, I like just going and getting anything I want, right? You know? Um, I don't shop very long. I just go get it. If I can afford it and I want it, I just get it. That's very bad. I need I need to have impulse control, right, doctor? I need some impulse control. But the Bible says that following Christ is all about denial of self, right? If we're going to serve, we have to deny ourselves. I don't want to do certain things. <laughs> You're not going to believe me. I don't want to be pastor. (laughs) But it's not about me. The older I get, the more the devil says, you could be doing this. You could be retired and doing this. You could be over here. But it's not about me. That would be so terrible. You know what? The the scripture comes, the hireling fleeth. You know, uh, that means I was never really, I was just doing this uh, for my own reasons. We have to deny ourselves. If you're going to be a servant of God, you've got to deny. If you're going to follow this command and take up your cross daily, what does that really mean to take up your cross daily? To take up your cross daily? Anyone? What does it mean to take up your cross daily? Sister Michelle? Amen. She said to serve others and to serve, other, uh, to serve God. The disciples had a business. They, they had a, a fishing business and they left that to become fishers of men. Fishers of men. Let's look a bit, little bit deeper in this. And he said unto them, all, if any man will come, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's really three things going on there. The first one we talked about, the first part of that is denying ourself. Denying the things we want to do to do the things that God wants to do. Then, the second part of that is then we have to take up his cross. That means our own cross. Daily. That means there is going to be a crucifixion. <laughs> when you take up the cross, you know what's going to happen? At some point, you're going to be nailed to it. <laughs> Didn't Paul say, I die daily? This, this old man wants to do his own thing. I have to, I have to die. The Bible says we are crucified with Christ. That's how we identify with him. Amen. And then we can follow me. Right? So there's three things in that scripture, that command. First, we have to deny ourselves. Deny our flesh. As I said, Sunday morning, uh, the bed is so nice and warm. Right? Especially when it snows coming up on a Sunday morning. Ooh, I can listen to pastor. I'll just go to YouTube. I don't need to be there. I mean, I'll hear it just as well. Take up his cross daily. That means there's going to be things where the devil wants you to be crucified, where you need to be crucified, where there's some fleshly desires that need to be put to death. And then you can follow me. Here's what Luke 14.27 says. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, got a question. Is Luke 14.27 salvational or not? Does the scripture mean that if you don't do it, you can't be saved? Is there a way to be saved without bearing the cross okay so does that mean there is stuff for us to do really because you know some say that you don't have to do nothing just believe and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me does that sound like an action does that sound like doing something cannot be my disciple and you know who said that you sure you sure Are you absolutely sure Jesus said that? Okay. See, as I put there, anybody can wear a chain with a cross. That's not what it meant. Yeah, I I put on my cross daily. A lot of people do that. I take up the cross daily. A lot of people got chains with the cross on it. A lot of men do that. They got the little gold chain with the cross on it. No, that's not what it's speaking about. Oh, no, that's not what it means. It's talking one of them ugly wooden heavy ones where they can nail you to it. That's what it's talking about. Amen. There is a cost to discipleship. There is a sacrifice to following Christ. Amen. The Bible doesn't tell us, but you can bet that when Noah started building his ark, people start to laugh at him and say, you old nutcase. You're building this huge boat in the middle of the land. You're not even close to the water. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? It's never rained. The Bible said it had never rained. What are you talking about? This is never... What, are you complete? Can you imagine the scorn that was heaped upon him? The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. You're going to have to deny your own flesh. What people say, what people think. And you have to stick with truth. You have to take up his cross daily and you have to follow me. Can't follow anyone else. You got to follow me. And how do we follow him through his word? Because he is the word. As I said, anybody can wear one, but can you bear one? Amen. The cost of discipleship is obedience. The cost of discipleship is obedience. Jesus said this, that, if you're going to follow him, you, you you have to be willing to pay the price. He tells this story in Luke 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that beholdeth it begin to mock him. I used When I first came here, I used to drive around and I used to be kind of amazed that Roads that suddenly stopped. Freeways that just suddenly stopped. And I, and I would inquire, and said, what happened? And they said, well, they ran out of money. <laughs> there was used to be some in Milwaukee. I don't know if you remember, years ago, there was lots of freeways that just... They had built some of it, and the rest of it, it was just up in the air, and it just suddenly stopped. And I well, why they do that? <laughs> well, they ran out of money. You know what? They had not considered the whole cost. They had not really... The, the rich young ruler had not considered the cost. He thought just in loving Jesus and telling him that he was obedient to the law was enough that there wasn't any more cost and he couldn't pay. He wasn't willing to pay the price. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, he is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him. So likewise whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all. Is there anything that you're not willing to give up? For Jesus. Because if the answer is. That you're not well, There's something in it, Then you cannot be his disciple. He won't take 99%. He only wants 100% of you. So likewise. Whosoever he be of you. That forsaketh not all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. No wonder they had. The, were given authority and power. Because they were completely sold out. We want to see miracles. We want to lay hands on people. But we're not sold out. We still have a whole bunch of stuff that we're not willing to give up. We're not willing to sacrifice. Yet we want all of the miracles and the, the glory to be come down. We want the light to shine and the lightning to come down. But we have not really given up all to follow Christ. He cannot be my disciple. So following Christ is an all or nothing commitment. It's an all or nothing commandment. You see God has commanded us to do things, believe it or not. Here's another command. Matthew 5, 16 Let your lights shine before men Did he say before men? Yeah, before men that you may see, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, Jesus said that. So now People say, well, God sees my heart. And that's great. God does see your heart. But I can't see your heart. I can only see what you do. And what you do stinks. (laughs) Right? Well, God sees my heart. That's great. But you don't live just unto God in isolation. He has commanded, this is a commandment by Jesus, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Now the good works doesn't save us. But we are still commanded to do good works. And glorify your father. That As long as your works are not for your glory. But you, you, you give the glory to God. Right? We are commanded to do that. So the church should have a good report. By people who don't come to the church. Amen. That's why we help people who don't come to this church. There's people who call up and we help them. And they never will come to this church or ever do anything for this church. Why? Because we're commanded to. That may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Now, Good works don't save you. But we are still commanded to do good works. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. But I am, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law perfectly because no other human being could do it could do it and so he was the fulfillment of the law because as i said he was the only human embodiment that could keep that thing 100%. loving god with all your heart, soul, mind, body 24/7, 365 days a year. my former pastor told me a story and i hope he's not listening. Uh, he lost when his his father-in-law who was the former pastor got very sick and had cancer. And we were praying and the church was praying and he went, you know, many months down, down, down and he finally passed away. And he, he said this before the church. And he said he, he went over to the church because he lives near the church. He went over to the church, it was empty and he's shaking his hand at God and saying, you know, God, why did you let this happen? Why? You see, we can't question God. We don't understand all the things that he has purpose in. And God doesn't owe us any explanation particularly. All he said was, follow me. Right? Follow me. Think not I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. And Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we were created to do good works. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Unto good works. So if you're a Christian, And your Christianity never shows there's a problem. Isn't there? Don't you think? Because what did Jesus do all his life when his ministry? He went about doing what? Good works. He went about preaching, repent, but he also went about healing, comforting, blessing. He blessed the little children, didn't he? He said, don't forbid them for such is the king. He went about doing good works. Create, we have been created unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Second Timothy 3.17 says this, that the man of God may be perfected, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So there's nothing wrong about good works. They don't save us, but they are commanded by God. Amen? That we are to do them. In everything, show yourself to be an example by doing good works. This is Paul's commandment to Timothy. Sorry, to Titus. In everything, show yourselves to be an example by doing good works. In your teaching, show integrity and in dignity. That's Titus 2, 2, 7. So, as they say, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Is there enough evidence to convict you? If they took you to, to court and said, "We're well, going to prove you're a Christian." Could they convict you beyond a reasonable doubt? Well, I watch uh, Joel Osteen. <laughs> I have him on my car radio. I do. I, I have him on my car radio. Amen. Is there anything in your lifestyle that convicts you of being a Christian? Because these are some of the commandments. They're not, they're not uh, made up. They're commandments from Christ himself. Amen. We're going to go on to another one. We're coming to the end soon, but we'll go on to this one. Forgive. ooh, Forgive and you will be forgiven. Luke 6.37 Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Is that a command or optional? I'm going to forgive the people I like, but some of these people are just jerks. I don't like them, so I'm not going to forgive them. Is that, is that how it re- reads? No. In fact, isn't it amazing? When Judas came to kiss him, he called him friend. <laughs> I've been unfriended on Facebook. <laughs> and I didn't even kiss anybody. They just unfriended me. Jesus did not unfriend Judas, did he? Block. (laughs) He said friend. (laughs) It's true. It's funny, but it's true, right? Would Jesus have unfriended Judas from Facebook? Actually, you know, sometimes it's good to separate yourself from some people, and better if they do it for you, then that saves you the trouble. (laughs) Saves you the trouble. But Jesus tells us that we have to forgive. Now that can be hard. Hard to forgive. Now that doesn't mean you be a fool and you, and you trust them 100%. But you're not to have anything in your heart against them. You're not to want them to go to hell and burn. You, 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 what you should be praying for is God changes their heart. Amen? We, we want God to forgive us. That's in the Lord's Prayer, right? And he goes and says, If we don't forgive, then we won't be forgiven. I, 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 want, I need a lot of mercy. Me personally, I need all of God's mercy. I, I'll take it all. You know what that means? For me to do that, I have to forgive everybody. I have to be merciful to people. I have to stop being judgmental to people. Because I need God's mercy. I, I want him to judge me with the least bit of Rigor. I want him to let me be be merciful to me because I need it because I'm so imperfect. Amen. I I am saved only by his mercy. I'm I'm Zacchaeus in the tree. He just came up to me and said, "Today's your day. Come on down." Amen. It's like the price is right. Come on down. (laughs) Right? The disciple is not above his master. Verse forty. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. What Jesus is saying? Listen, I went to the cross. They called me all kinds of names. They spat on me. They treated me despitefully. And I'm afraid if you're going to be my servant, this is what you're going to be in for. Now, we've been blessed to live in a country that so far we have the freedom to come and worship as we wish. But there's no guarantee that that's going to continue while even we are alive. And right now, in so many countries, they don't have the privilege. If you take a Bible into China, you'll get arrested. You'll get arrested. There's many places in the Middle East where the missionaries have to be secret. Yesterday, I was invited to one of our fellow churches where they had the missionary who was a missionary in the Middle East. And I was told you couldn't, you couldn't, don't say his name. They'd had no, it was an invite only because... If his name got out, he would be in danger. You see, we haven't suffered yet. Not really. Our suffering is somebody looked at me, looked at me mean. They mean mugged me. <laughs> right? No. No, that's not suffering. Not really. Why beholdest the mote in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? We're so quick To find faults, right? Now, that's different from if someone is, you know, flat out contradicting the word of God. That's different. You know, if someone is doing something, stealing, and, you know, they're stealing, and you have them on film stealing, well then, you have to confront them. I shouldn't say that. Unfortunately, that happened here. But we have cameras here, and someone was going into the office and taking out money. But we had them on camera. I had to confront them and say, you can't do that. You know, that's not being condemning. That's just facts. <laughs> Until I showed them the camera with their face on it. Oh, I didn't do it. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive and you will be forgiven. Let's stand. We, we've gone through about three or four of the commandments. We have a couple more weeks to go and we won't catch all of them. But I hope you will be blessed That this life is not just um, uh, a matter of God's grace, but it's grace through faith. And faith always has a response. And when God commands something, he means it. Mary said, whatever he saith, do it. Even if it makes no sense to us. Sometimes what God says makes no sense. But Lord, why do you want me to do this? Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to go preach to Isis. That's what he was telling them. The Assyrians of that day was the ISIS of our day. But Lord, they hate your people. They're killing, they're butchering. They they cut off people's heads. They they skin people alive. But but that's what God told Jonah. Jonah refused to do it. Mm -mm. I heard the wrong voice. He jumps in a ship and goes the other way. But God wouldn't release him. God had to get him into the belly of the whale before he repented. And then he went and preached to the ISIS of his day. That blows my mind that God was merciful and gracious to such people who were the absolute, it'd be like being told to go preach to Hamas (laughs) after they cut off people's heads and did all kinds of things. But that's what Jonah was, that's why he ran, he, he refused to do it. He was angry that God was merciful. And yet God had to tell him, Jonah there's 120,000 babies children in this city 120,000 and the miracle was that from the king on down repented they changed their actions they changed their actions and god was merciful What an awesome God we serve that even to the very worst person, worst criminal, when they have a genuine change of heart, God will be merciful. He said, I will be merciful to your unrighteousness. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, before we had even a thought of Christ, Christ died for us. That's why now we should be so grateful. We should be so worshipful. We should be so honored that we have the opportunity to come here to lift up our hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're closing this Bible study. I hope you have been blessed. But I want to be able to fulfill John 14, 15, which says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that what it says? If you love me, Keep my commandments. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning that your word will go forth and that it will find good soil, that it will germinate and bring forth a harvest, oh God, of faith, but also not just belief, but to be doers of your word. We lift up your name, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we ask you to continue to work in our church, Lord God. Be a covering for us, Lord God. Let there be an anointing that breaks every yoke in our second service. Move in this place, Lord God. Let your Holy Spirit deliver, heal, and touch, Lord God. We lift up your name and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a praise offering this morning. Amen.